You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live on the Blaze, on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. There's a guy named Ron here too, but he's not allowed to talk. That's why we never mention him. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening on the podcast later, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E, 888-900-3393 is the number, 888-900-3393. Our weekly edition of Fake News or Not coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, as well as a very special Pop Culture Tuesday, one of America's great storytellers. Passing away yesterday, Stan Lee, and the impact he has made on American pop culture. We're going to talk about that coming up in hour number two. But we begin, as we always do, with an update on what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Pantheon of Terrible. Former advisor predicts Hillary Clinton is reading Hillary 4.0 and preparing for a 2020 run. So you stupid peons have another chance to get it right this time. Planned Parenthood's president, ladies and gentlemen. Well, this is deeply personal to me. I was a patient of Planned Parenthood, and so was my mother and my sister, just like one in five women in America. And as a doctor, I am proud to lead our organization as we deliver life-saving care to two and a half million people every year. Michael Avenetti accused Tucker Carlson of assaulting a quote-unquote gay Latino immigrant. What really happened is the person in question called Carlson's 19-year-old daughter a whore in public because of who her dad is, and Carlson confronted him about it. Sinead O'Connor says she never wants to spend time with white people again. Congratulations to Kirsten Cinema on a race well run and won. It's been a wonderful honor representing Arizona in the Senate. You'll be great. Make France great again, except for this guy. La France salue avec respect et gravité les morts des autres nations que jadis. North Korea is being deceitful about its nuclear facility, surprising absolutely no one. Stan Lee, the creator of Marvel, is dead at the age of 95. Broward County Election Supervisor Brenda Snipes is a Republican, at least according to Andrea Mitchell. And we should also point out that Brenda Snipes in Broward County is a Republican appointed by former governor, then Governor Jeb Bush. So she was put in by a Republican governor after the mess that we all remember from 2000. And she's hardly a Democratic uh, official or someone doing the bidding of the Democratic candidates there. Yeah, basically none of that is true. A UC Berkeley student senator is being disavowed by her own party after abstaining from a vote condemning proposed changes to Title IX regarding transgenderism because of her Christian faith. Florida man breaks into restaurants, strips naked, eats noodles he brought from home, and plays bongos. And finally, Trumpy Bear. 
Introducing the original Trumpy Bear. Just find the secret zipper and pull out the American flag-themed blanket. Then wrap yourself in the red, white, and blue for comfort and warmth. Show your patriotism and proudly display Trumpy on any American holiday. God bless America and God bless Trumpy Bear. Trumpy Bear loves to cruise with his brother. I'm a former Marine and I'm proud to have Trumpy Bear ride by my side. When I ride with Trumpy Bear, he makes my golf game great again. Thank you, Trumpy Bear. Simply style his trademark hair and place him in his favorite chair. Even the toughest guys will love Trumpy Bear. Order the Super Plus Trumpy Bear for only two payments of $19.95 and receive a special certificate of authenticity. Order now. To order your Trumpy Bear, call one 800 503 And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. Um, I feel like I have to ask, is Trumpy Bear real? This is what happened yesterday when Aaron and I... Hi, and thanks for calling about Trumpy yeah. Bear. To ensure the best customer service, this call may be recorded. To place your order, please say order or press 1. We had the... Status of your order, please say <laughs> exact. Or press 2. Same for question. information, please say information. And Aaron out loud is saying... Uh, it's not real. No, it's not real. Oh, it's real. <laughs> His reaction is everything I hoped and dreamed it would be. <laughs> We're just going to move on. Um, the Arizona race. So I don't even look. Unless I'm compelled to, I don't, I used to be able to tell you guys like what all the Liberty scores of all these Republicans were off the top of my head. I like don't even know anymore because I don't pay attention because I've just given up on the system. So at this point, I, I don't care who wins elections unless you're an avowed communist or you have decided that you can assassinate somebody's character if you don't like their politics. Like you have to give me a reason to vote against you. I'm like voting for nobody like anymore, like at all. You know, and so I, I, I don't really care who wins the Republican primaries anymore, because with limited exceptions, they're going to all vote the same way. I mean, it's just, you know. And I and this comes after 10 years of. This was my full time. Number one care was who I, I just I don't I mean, I'm a, I'm Phil Collins right now. I don't care anymore. So I had no idea what Martha McSally's. Liberty score was the Republican nominee, um, the Congresswoman. And I only looked it up because I saw her. I thought it was odd last night that she was congratulating Kristen Cinema, her opponent, in a concession via social media with her dog in about the most heartwarming way you could imagine. And and Kristen Cinema literally hates her constituents. Literally. She's literally on tape saying I hate my constituents. So I'm like, this is, this is, this is one of the oddest passive aggressive concessions I've ever seen. So who's this Martha McSally? And I look it up. Her Liberty score is 36% conservative review to put that in perspective. She's 30 points lower than Jeff Flake. Trumpy bears looking pretty good right about I, now. I, 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 I think if Trumpy bear were in a primary, I would care. Yes. <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm like, th- this is odd, you know? And I get a call this morning when I get back from the gym and it's 
a really good friend of mine and uh, somebody I helped get started in politics. And they are, you know, I've, I've, he's been one of my little birdies in the past. You know, when I've talked about a guy doing some canvassing and polling and organization in several states in the last election cycle we just had, right? It's this guy, okay? He calls me this morning and uh, he's he, one of the states that his organization was targeting was Missouri. And it's the only state that his organization was involved in that they lost. And um, they had their camp. They've got canvassers going around the state of Arizona right now where people are literally, he's telling me this. And this is again, my kids know this guy. I've known him since he was a kid. Okay. So, you know, this is a really good friend of mine, not a contact, not a professional relationship. I mean, we are friends. He is telling me these stories of all these affidavits people are signing. Now, the election, when did the election happen? A week ago. Right. Okay. He's telling me these stories of these affidavits they've collected in the last three days where people are literally just signing on to affidavits saying, well, yeah, I mean, the Democrats came by my house last Thursday and picked up my ballot to make sure it got counted. When, when was the election? A week ago. Yeah, Tuesday. And they came by my house on Thursday. It's Thursday after Tuesday. I mean, in a, in the world, in a world of Trumpy bear, I think we have to ask what day comes first tuesday or thursday trumpy bear we have to first start by asking what is a thursday that's true could i self-identify as a thursday if i if i so uh, desired and and could i maybe get elected to the university of cal berkeley state government or or student government by self-identifying as a thursday inquiring minds would like to know but uh, yes thursday comes after tuesday guys and he's out for his organization right now collecting affidavits where people are literally signing up saying they committed voter fraud. And I'm like, you realize she conceded last night, right? And he said, yeah, I know. And I said, so let me get this straight. Now, I had no idea she was this bad of a candidate. I didn't know what her Liberty Square was. I had not looked it up. I said, do you know that her Liberty Score is 30 points lower than Jeff Flake's? And there was like silence on the other end of the phone for like four seconds. Okay, he goes, no, I didn't know. And I'm like, so I want to make sure I get this right. Your organization is on the ground right now collecting affidavits from people who are telling you that they engaged in voter fraud. And yet the candidate that you want to win has already publicly conceded and passed along the most heartwarming of well wishes to the Democrat that you are convinced must lose because of her hatred, her avowed hatred. She's on, she's literally verbalized. She hates people like us. And so you are, you, you're working harder to, for, for McSally to win. than McSally is. He's like, Yeah. I'm like, if that, if that's not a portrait of what being in alignment with this political party is for us as conservatives, I, I don't know, I don't know what is. An Arizona Senate race where two candidates 
are both progressives. You know, we've gone from when I was a kid, Reagan used to say, the Republican who's your 80% friend isn't your 20% enemy. What about the Republican who's my 30% friend? How many of you would knowingly, if somebody walked up to you and say, you know what, we're going to be besties. I want to be your business partner. We're going to have a real covenantal relationship here. But we're only going to really agree on about 30% of the things. Would you sign up for that, do you think? No. Yeah. No? Think that's a good deal, Aaron? 30%? Nah, bro. I mean, it, I think it's reasonable that a person who agrees with you now it kind of depends on what's in the other 20%. Like we've always pointed that out. But with, with, with notwithstanding extreme things that might be in the 20%, like an atrocity of some kind, in general, notwithstanding an atrocity being in the other 20%, in general, is somebody who agrees with you 80% of the time, and is that an enemy? No. Barring an atrocity being in the other 20%, no, right. in general, no. No, he's not. What about somebody who agrees with you 30% of the time? What do you think? You might want to be wise as serpents. Are we, are we getting closer? At the very least, it merits a conversation, Trumpy Bear. At the very least. Now you're telling me you're going to disagree with me 70% of the time. When you've, and you know what's funny? When I, when I said this, he goes, well, when you put it like that. <laughs> and I'm like, and I said, listen, I'm not... I, I said, you're, I'm not, I, I know what you're trying to do, man. And we're pals, okay? I, I'm not, and I'm, I told him, I'm sorry, I'm not pounding on you. You're in, the, you're in the pitch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's in the muck and the mire on the front lines of a battle, trying to preserve as much of his way of life, you know, for the family he eventually wants to have as he possibly can. I'm up here in the tower. So I'm, I'm back watching, he's watching one battle take place. I'm watching the entire battlefield from my vantage point. And what I'm watching is one of my best friends is doing everything he can lawfully for someone to win who's already signed the surrender papers. And I mean, this wasn't, this was, I mean, her, her, her conceding yesterday could not have been warmer. Did you guys watch it? Not with no. the I mean, if she would have ended it with America's Got Talent, consider me for next season, I'd have totally bought it. That's what it looked like. You know, it looked like she, it looked like she's trying to, I wasn't sure if she was conceding or, you know, trying to get Simon Cowell's attention with her, with her pet tricks. That's what it looked like. Sitting around on her couch. I mean, this is so meta. Sitting on her couch with a dog that's like three times her size. Hey guys, you know, you know, we did our best and we ran in this race. Oh, right. And we did our best. And isn't, you know, isn't Rover cute? And I just want to say, Kristen Cinema, good luck to you. Great race. I mean, we all did our best. Isn't it great? My buddy's out here canvassing every district in Arizona. People are signing warrants. Well, yeah, the Democrats came by here three days ago to get my ballot. I forgot to turn it in. She's on Twitter. Hey, I, you know what? I know you're going to just do your best, everyone. Do your best. We're just besties. Do your best. And, and here's a Trumpy bear for you. Meanwhile, my buddy's over here racking up stacks of affidavits. Yeah, Democrats got my ballot yesterday. Told me to vote a couple times. I mean... <laughs> You know what? Damn it. Buy me a Trumpy bear. That's the only real thing happening right it is, now. It is. It is. Yep. That, that, what your friend said, when you put it like that, 
that is the whole money line to me, man. I mean, people keep thinking, and I understand why, but they keep thinking that they're working in a top-end kitchen with all of the richest ingredients, and they're putting it work. Come on, we just we're in that great competition on Food Network. No, you're 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 not in that at all. You are just serving up the generic brand of mac and cheese. And Steve just read it to you. It's like I know you think you got the really good cheddar. No, see that yellow dye number five? There it is. There, that's all this is. This is the most. You'd be lucky to have generic macaroni and cheese. That would be deluxe stuff compared to the thin gruel you are being served up right now. So he's, when he says when you put it like that, Steve did not suddenly pull out some deep understanding of one of the romance languages i mean he just um no this i just read this is this is exactly what's going yeah, on yeah i'm not right here i'm on not the back salmon rushy guys no. no you're not making food There's you no are problem. the food yeah. <laughs> yeah salmon soylent green is people <laughs> I, I mean i just i i we had this conversation. What's the number for Trumpy Bear? <laughs> we One had eight. this conversation last week. This is exactly what I was talking about. I mean, Steve has been talking about arriving at this very place for as long as Aaron has been listening before he worked, for as long as Steve and I have been friends. We we're talking about prophecy. He's been saying we're going to get here. But Steve and I said it's one thing to know it cognitively. Now that we live in the middle of it, yeah. it is a mind scrambler, as you like to say. I mean, go watch her concession. And it's not even that she conceded. Watch it. There's no defiance. There's no, why did it take four days to certify an election? In two, n- nothing. Nothing, nothing at all other than, oh, right, guys. We did our best, you know, and Rover's here. And, uh, I mean, it, it's... You are... A, and you know Why? Because to Martha McSally, it was more important. Who was the chick that she was running against that used to say some of the... I don't even remember her name now because I don't care anymore. Oh, the primaries. Dr. Kelly Ward. Kelly Ward, yeah. Because for, for the Martha McSally's of the world, it is more important to beat Kelly Ward than yeah. it is to beat yep. uh, Kristen Cinema. Yep. And that's just the truth, guys. When her liberty scores 36% and Kristen Cinema, who's also a member of Congress, and her liberty scores 9 Who's got... Does, does Martha McSally have more in common with Kristen Cinema? Let's say forget. Let's forget Kelly Ward said crazy stuff about weather vanes. Let's forget. Let's just say she had those beliefs and never said any crazy stuff that gave you an excuse not to like her. Let's say she didn't. Let's say she was not that person. All right. Without the without the malaprompts from Kelly Ward, does Martha McSally have more in common with Kelly Ward than she does with Kristen Cinema? No. No, and it's not even close, guys. It's not even close. It's because the R after anyone's name is not. Not, not, not your worldview. That's that's what we're learning every single day. Well, I think a lot of us maybe are learning every single day, and I hope the, uh, a lot more will learn every single day. That the republic, you're at this point, you are just wish casting any any part of your best parts of your worldview. If it is a Judeo Christian worldview, at this point, you are merely wish casting that upon the magic R. It doesn't stand for a darn thing other than. Humana, 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 vote for R, uh, better than D, two legs good, four legs bad. That's all it is right now. It is nothing other than a cabal of usurpers, and I can't believe I just said usurpers in a complete sentence. A cabal. That's all it is. And I, again, this is where we end, this is where we were going to end up 
as long as we kept aligning ourselves with this party. This is coming from somebody who freaking voted for David Young last week. Yeah. But this I is would, where I would have, listen, if I were in Arizona, I'd have voted for Martha McSally. Even knowing what I know now, I still would have done it. You know why? What, you know, used to, I thought one of the best descriptions of this election was something you said, because this isn't an aspirational exercise anymore. You're choosing between a guillotine and a noose. With a guillotine, you know you're going to get your head chopped off. With yes. a noose, there's a slight chance you might survive. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. This is self... Because it's in my self-interest and nothing... No virtue. There's no virtue in voting for Martha McSally on any level whatsoever. It doesn't exist. And see, that's what those of you who get mad at me for saying this... See, that's the part you don't understand. I don't care that you voted for Martha McSally. I'd have done it in this election if I lived in Arizona. I'd have done it too. I just wouldn't have lied to myself the whole time I was doing it, that's all, and lied to everybody else. Because, see, that's how you get more and more Martha McSally's, the lie. The lie that these people are good because they have an R. The lie that anything virtuous is happening here. There's nothing virtuous happening here. Nothing. How many times in Congress do you think Martha McSally voted to fund a Planned Parenthood? How many times do you think? Every single damn time, I promise. Every time. All right, so there, there's no virtuous argument in 99% of these races. And that, let's just all admit, we're adults. We're consenting adults. This is the political version of the key parties they used to have in the 70s, all right, where the, where the bored, sexually bored suburban families would get together after the kids went to bed and just put the keys in a bowl, and then you just grab the car keys, and that's the dude you went home with or wife just because you wanted something different. Let's just be honest. That's what's happening on Election Day in America now, most of the time. And let's not kid each other. Let's not BS a BSer. Let's not pee on each other and say that it's raining. There's nothing else happening here other than there's two crooks. And one of them openly wants to end me in my way of life. And the other will just slowly bleed me dry, but at least maybe leave me a little bit. That's what's happening here. That's it. That, that's one is a pharaoh. Both pharaohs are going to make you build their pyramids. One will make you find the straw for your bricks too. That's all that's happening here. Stop lying to each other. And, that, and, and that's, that's, that, that's what we're pushing back against is the lie. We're not pushing back against, I'm trying to hold on to as much of my way of life as I can because I'm not God. I'm not a mosaic figure. I'm not a Messiah. I can't make preternatural or supernatural things happen. I can't create third ways outside of earthly paradigms. I'm human. We're not pushing back on that. We're pushing back on the fact that you won't admit to yourself, some of you, that is all you're doing. You're lying to yourself. And the more you believe the lie, the more inclined you are to be the person that when the Mosaic Deliverer shows up, say, well, you know, I know we're free out here in this desert, but at least back in bondage, we had meat to eat and water to drink. See, that's the lie. We're adults here. We know it's a fallen world. It's not a utopia. We know sometimes you are left with crappy choices. Human beings can do terrible, awful things to one another. And sometimes you just have to make do with the times you have, as Todd likes to say, quoting the Lord of the Rings. We all get that. But don't lie to each other. Don't don't pretend anything else is happening here other than that. Because when you do, guys, you get Trumpy Bear, okay? That's what you get. Trumpy bear with his American flag blanky, Linus. That's what you get. You get cults. That's what you get. Cults.
thoughts on that, Todd? You look like you want to definitely say something. Go ahead. No, <clears throat> I'm actually, uh, I came out through that somehow inspired. Um, you know, you, it's weird on what days this is inspiring to talk about it and which days, uh, it is depressing. Uh, but, uh, uh I'm nonetheless, uh, somehow, uh, I- inspired, uh, uh, there is a light in the darkness, uh, and the darkness uh, shall not overcome it. The, the more uh, that we see the absurdity of these races, and this goes on today. I mean, Aaron, it was breaking when, when Aaron was putting together a montage, but CNN uh, now is, uh, suing Donald Trump. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez is, uh, is, 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 as we speak, I think, sitting in the offices of Nancy Pelosi as a protester uh, over climate change. I mean, we are living in a theater of the absurd. Mm-hmm. And as the, Dang right, Trumpy bear. And the sooner we wake up, that's why it's so fitting that Steve is talking about uh, what he's talking about with that election in conjunction with Trumpy Bear. This th- whole thing has a just a ridiculous laugh track to it. It is one big joke, a joke that nonetheless is destroying our culture, but it is a joke. The qu- if the fastest way to people figuring that out is with that uncomfortable laughter versus reason, faith, whatever, we need a starting point somewhere. May as well be it. Yeah, and I mean, this... We haven't even gotten to the plan, the new Planned Parenthood um, president. She is somehow managing to make uh, the old lady, the the, the old president, what Cecilia, was Richards. Cecilia Richards. She is somehow managing to make her a, a little bit likable because she is just. You talk about people who uh, you can imagine signing um, signing papers to euthanize yourself. Oh, yes. Uh, that's that woman. I mean, everything is Her delivery is sounded robotic. like it. she was in She's Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was, we were, we are chilling. very yeah. proud to work at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Where we deliver life-saving health care to thousands, millions of women. Uh, that is that Did is I creepy. blink enough times and, before I said that? Yeah. And meanwhile, um, back in 2016, I want to remind our audience and remind Stephen Todd that at the Republican convention, the GOP convention— the most conservative, the most conservative party platform in the history of the Republican Party was adopted. In that platform, it says pretty clearly um, a, a pretty conservative, I would say it's pretty, uh, pretty conservative position on the life issue. Meanwhile, the Martha McSallies of the world are sitting on the couch while the Kristen Cinemas, who hates her own constituents and will gladly, uh, a lot like Martha McSally and most Republicans in Washington, continue to fund Planned Parenthood. Guys, the reason why us three on this show, and I don't want to put words in Todd and Steve's mouth, the reason why we continue to harp on the Republican Party and blast the Republican Party is because the Republican Party either um, willfully or because people just like believing a lie. I think it's a good I think it's a good cross between the two. The Republican Party continues to fool so many people into thinking that it is about something serious. It's not. It's part of the platform is not worth the paper that it's printed upon. And we continue to see that every single day. The reason why we continue to harp on that and continue to blast the Republican Party is because we don't want to see people continue to fall 
for the lie. In fact, I think you wrote a book about that one time, Steve. Mm-hmm. We won't get fooled again. Mm-hmm. People keep getting fooled again. It's been like 10 years since you've wrote, written that book, and people keep getting fooled again. Speaking of another book, though, when I'm watching her name, it hasn't committed itself to memory, the new president of Planned Parenthood. I'm thinking of your book, A Nefarious Plot. When Nefarious says, I can come out publicly and say all this stuff because I know I've got you. You can't turn. And it's you just saw it right there. Look at that. that how much time that woman has been, Aaron, your beautiful broken air quotes, educated. And that's what you get, a drone. We're to talk about that in fake news or not here in the next segment. Because there's a, there is a Lord Nefarious kind of pr- video that Planned Parenthood has put out. Yes. That it is, it is literally, it is literally, I mean, and I don't say this lightly, you know, I mean, I don't, last thing I want to do is offend Trumpy Bear, but it, it is, it is, it is the literal spiking of the football by hell. Yep. It is, it is literally in your face. It's the political equivalent of in your face, a, your mom joke. Um, I'm, I'm insulting your genitalia and, and taking your children at the same time. And there's just nothing. And we both know there's nothing you can or will do about it except fetch me a beer after that. That's essentially what this is that we'll show the audience in a few minutes. And that goes to what you're talking about. And one last thing on, on your montage, the Sinead O'Connor thing. Now, a lot of people are like, I didn't know she was alive still. That, that, which, yeah, that was the first reaction I had too. But is anybody else, her saying she doesn't want to be around white people, is anybody else reminded of the greatest Dave Chappelle skit of all time? Where he is the blind white supremacist who doesn't know that he's actually black until he, and he's traumatized to find out that he is. Do you guys remember that? That's one of the all time great Dave Chappelle skits. That is art, life actually, in this case, imitating art, courtesy of Sinead O'Connor. More in a moment. You know, one of the big new trends in terms of criminal scams is what's called home title fraud. And a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with the folks over at Home Title Lock, and they sent me an email. And it was like an exact replica of my autograph, my signature on uh, a a forged document signing over uh, my home title to just literally anybody. Wait, that's, I saw that. I thought that was actually something that you had, I did not know until now that that was actually something they found. In fact, the first time I saw it, I'm like, did I actually sign this? No, that's what I thought too. But no, it was not my signature. Okay. And that's how good these thieves are. And, you know, when you stop and think about it, you kind of wonder if in a way it, why it took this long for them to go after your, your home title, because what's the biggest investment most Americans will make in their lifetime will be your own home. And in recent years, all this stuff is now online. They don't have to go down to the county recorder's office or the, you know, any kind of registrar's office and, and comb through records. They can just, you know, go into websites now and grab your, your home title. And you might think, well, you know, I don't want to pay the mortgage. They can have it. 
but that's they're not after that. They're after the equity in your home. So uh, if you've got uh, if a landlord that has several rental properties, if you know we've lived in the same house now for 12 years, so we built up a nice little equity nest egg uh, in our home. Maybe you've got uh, you know loved ones who are at retirement age. Chances are their homes are paid off, which means they're uh, you know pretty stacked with equity. They're really especially because of the high equity, and maybe they're not the most technologically proficient people around. They're they're the most vulnerable to this new criminal scam. And that's why you want to check out Home Title Lock for just pennies a day. Home Title Lock will put a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect any sinister activity at all, they're going to help shut it down. And you don't know, your home may already be compromised. You can find out. Uh, Get a free title scan and report from Home Title Lock. That's a $100 value. They're giving it away uh, to our reviewers and listeners here on The Blaze Live on demand at CRTV. They're giving it away to you for free right now. Free. To visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, gentlemen, let's get to it. It's this week's edition of Fake News or Not. Here's clip number one. That's the most real clip that we've probably shown since we started this segment two years ago because it's Planned Parenthood being truly honest. They're here to murder and defile things that are innocent and noble and beautiful. And they do so surrounding pagan utilitarian lies, which were all the talking points in that article uh, or in that, um, in that commercial. So that child, if he or she is not wanted, they will take the child you just saw there and they will murder it. And the brazenness, gentlemen, of this as an ad campaign is it it's essentially the devil to troll you putting on a red unitard and jumping out in the middle of the street waving a pitchfork believing that it you won't you'll you'll just buy him hook line and sinker anyway it it is very similar to the the setup of my last book a nefarious plot and if you're new to our show the, the premise of a nefarious plot, uh, it's an homage to C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, which is essentially the inner workings of hell as it attempts to tempt one person into perdition. Uh, in, this, in this case, this is hell attempting to do so to a culture writ large. And Lord Nefarious is a demon general from hell, <clears throat> pardon me, who is so confident that his scheme to take down America is successful that he puts it all in a book. And this isn't, you know, the handlebar, 
you know, mustached villain who says, well, now that you can't stop my plan, let me tell you what it is. No, he's, he's done the plan. He's worked it. The plan wasn't stopped. And now he's, he's running smack. This is T.O., you know, doing an end zone celebration where he's calling you on the cell phone. He's already scored. The points are on the board. They can't be taken off. And he's so confident that his plan is cemented that he just puts it all into writing and knows your reaction is, <clears throat> this can't be true. I, I don't, and that's how he'll convince his master, the devil, that he won, is when he rubs our noses in it, right in the stink. And we're like, man, this, this just smells like rose water. I love this smell. I'm not smelling stink. That can't be what it is. And that's, and that's exactly what that from Planned Parenthood was. That's right out of the Lord Nefarious playbook, guys. And the, I would think at this point as well, perhaps Lord Nefarious might be just a little bit um, disappointed or ticked off that there's probably not more of a reaction than what he wanted. Or maybe that's exactly what he wants, is that people, people he, he can do this, he can do this uh, amazing troll job that we just saw. Um, he can he can do this troll job, and and maybe not anybody will care. I mean, a lot of people who've who've seen it, uh, who've actually seen the commercial, but the, the vast majority of people don't don't aren't even aware, and probably don't even care. And either that's the reason why he can do this troll job, or maybe he's just disappointed that hey, man, I thought I thought this was going to be harder. I think that's where we're at right now. And this, and going back to what we said in the last segment. Tie it together. Right now, my buddy is on the ground in Arizona right now collecting affidavits from people who are admitting they committed voter fraud in order to help a woman win who's already conceded in the friendliest terms possible. And while she was in Congress, voted to give the fiends we just saw on that screen $500 million of your money. Yeah, Every time you drink from the Republicans' cup— you end up getting nothing. Every time you turn around and you drink from the progressive cup, they double down. They they are totally unafraid right now. This is, uh, I don't know what to call. I mean, I it's not it's not fearless. It, I mean, it's certainly unafraid of you because they just don't think you out there are any sort it's of shameless. opponent. But it is it is entirely. Uh, inspired by fear in that it knows that it has a people that aren't thinking, aren't loving, aren't being reasonable, are just running around in their entire lives, whether they are poor, whether they are rich, even if they are Christian, just living a fear-based life, that you are paralyzed, that they will show this to you and you will be unable to do anything about it. And you'll cut them the check afterwards. Yep. Yep. Next clip. Well, I mean, the real Matt Whitaker, who knows who the real Matt Whitaker is? We get, we get shadow outlines of who the real Matt Whitaker might be, but this is just another example of the poor or no vetting of appointments. And I, I do know this, having uh, spoken with uh, three FBI officials over the last four or five days, that they regard this appointment as a direct insult to the concept and the reality of the Justice Department, what the Justice Department's role is supposed to be in our society. They reg- so I, I said before, I, I've, I've known Matt Whitaker for years, and we are friendly. We're not friends. 
We're not tight. We haven't even always even been on the right and the same side within party causes when I was actively involved in the Republican Party. Um, number one, <laughs> the guy was a former U.S. attorney, guys. This, they didn't just pick some... I. They didn't pick some schmuck who has who got on. How did he get on CNN? Why did why would CNN have a lawyer from Iowa as a paid contributor, which he was? Why would they pick him if he was just some schmuck with a neighborhood law firm in Iowa? Well, what does that say about CNN? They made him a paid contributor. Think schmucks with neighborhood law firms in Iowa get paid contributorships on CNN, guys? You know how you get a paid contributorship on CNN? You're a U.S. attorney, guys. Okay, so the idea that a former U.S. attorney is not qualified to be the attorney. He's more qualified than Jeff Sessions was. Jeff Sessions, Sessions was a senator. As a U.S. attorney, Matt Whitaker, you know, by the way, what department of government is the U.S. Is the US attorney's office a part of? You guys know it's the Department of uh, Justice. Justice. And the attorney general is the head of the Department of Justice. I don't know, Trumpy Bear. I don't know. Does anybody think, by the way, that if Mike Barnacle at MSNBC's FBI sources said Matt Whitaker was a swell guy, he'd have gone on there and said so? Oh, yes, because he's very on. No. Yeah. And and can I just add one more thing? Who the hell believes? Raise your hand. If you believe Mike Barnacle has sources in the FBI, raise your hand. You own Trumpy Bear. You don't count. Anybody else? No? That's what I thought. Next clip. Total fake news. News and it comes from the Dow. We're close to down two and a half percent on the session. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is off 627 points. In fact, 26 of the Dow 30 are in the red today. Leading the the, the president said something about Democrats being responsible for this in some way, which obviously is not true at all. Uh, leading the downward drive today is uh, is Apple, which earlier in the session was off more than six percent. Did Shepard Smith tell you there? Now, by the way, does does Donald Trump lie? <laughs> does a bear who defecates in the woods yeah. make sounds? Let's just, you know, let's not lie to each other, okay? And and hey, your Cheeto Jesus email you're about to send me. <laughs> if the kind thing I will do is delete it. If I'm in a bad mood, I will single you out on a national platform so we can laugh at you. He lies a lot, okay? So. Could he be lying that the Democrats had something to do with the, the plunge in the stock market? Folks, show. Hey, how many reasons did Shepard Smith provide you in that clip for his claim Donald Trump was, was just lying about the Democrats causing the stock market collapse? How many, how many reasons did he give you? That? He's a journalist, Steve. He's working hard at this. Don't you question his integrity. Translation, he didn't give us any reasons, guys. <laughs> He didn't give us any reasons. He gave you the exact, hey, Trump just throwing out there, Democrats caused the stock market to crash. Okay, man, that could be true. I don't know. That, well, what reasons did he provide? The same amount of reasons Shepard Smith provided for why it wasn't true. I, could, is it too much to ask, Shep? Could you give me a couple reasons why that's not true? I mean, is that too much to ask, do you think? Oh, don't yes. be ridiculous. Because it's magical and not at all broken. Yeah, it, you know it, the answer. Yeah, yes, because of course it's too much to ask. That would be like work. Honesty, intellectual in, in, integrity, um, critical thinking, uh, adulting, all, all things we're incapable of in the era of Trumpy Bear. We're all Trumpy Bear now. Yes. Next clip. Sunday. 
we had about 5,000 more votes come in. Some of them were provisionals, but the majority of them were actually early votes, election day, and mail votes. So they weren't actually 100% reported. Stacey Abrams got almost another 5,000 votes yesterday. So those are three areas. Right. And as you just said, we're looking for about 20,000 votes to force this race into a runoff December 4th. So we're using the courts. We're using every asset we have in the campaign to demand the most simple, most fair thing that every single vote is counted. Okay. Well- I love the fact. Do you? I don't know that you guys understand the honesty in that clip. She literally told you. We're she told you the, the truth, guys. She yes, you're on. You're close. She told you that clip is not fake news, guys. She's she literally told you, hey man, we're looking for twenty thousand votes to force a runoff. <laughs> Hate the game, not the player, Snoop. <laughs> Isn't that what she said? She literally there there wasn't a lie there, guys. <laughs> That's one of the truest clips we've ever played. How much for one rib? Yes, Chris. How much much for one rib? That's exactly what happened. She just literally said, hey, we're out there looking for 20,000 more votes (laughs) to force runoff. Okay. You're turning our viewers into chain smokers. Like, what? That's that's not fake news. I love that woman. She just dropped yeah. some knowledge, man. That clip, when I saw that, I'm like, holy crap. Finally, somebody took my my plea to stop lying to each other and just be honest about what we're doing here. Seriously, she literally just said, hey, right now, we're looking for 20,000 votes. We're using the courts. We're just grabbing people. We're just looking for enough votes to force a runoff. Well, okay. If we're Finally, some honesty. Finally, that's not fake news. That's as true a news as you will ever see right then and there. Next clip. Dr. Snipes, it is now Thursday. Mm-hmm. We are still counting ballots in We're Broward County. Five pages or six pages for each of the people who voted. But other counties have been able to do it. But other counties didn't have 600,000 votes out there. Well, Miami-Dade did. Well, have you been inside my Never mind. Let me go check. I'll check. But it's a serious issue. It always it's seems like it is. It's a serious issue with me. I've been doing this now since October 22nd. But if it's a serious issue with you. We ran 22 sites. We ran 14 days. We ran 12 hours. We had a big vote by mail. So don't try to turn it around to make it seem like I'm making comedy out of this. I, I don't think okay. anybody's, I'll, anybody's made anybody make it. But the right. question, but, but, but there are serious questions. Why is she done for the moment? We'd like to know how many votes are outstanding. Now, see, that's the stuff that infuriates you right there, okay? Like Stacey Abrams, who's the uh, Democrat nominee for governor in Georgia, that was her campaign manager in the previous clip who just literally said, hey, right now we're looking for 20,000 votes and by any means necessary, Malcolm X. Okay, yeah. She's being honest. Frankly, she's more honest with you than the Martha McSallies and the Republican Party are, to be brutally honest. If we're gonna, you guys want some truth? I just gave you some. Stacey Abrams' campaign manager is more honest with you than the vast majority of the Republicans you vote for is. Seconded. Okay? That there is a fraudster right there. Complete, total criminal exercise. And the idea is she can't even tell you how... You know why she can't tell you how many votes are out? Because 
she knows she doesn't believe she can tell you the truth. And the truth is, as many as we need. That's how many votes are out, bro. As many as we need. I'll give it Stacey Abrams, hate hate the game, not the player. You know what, man? Stacey Abrams campaign manager, you know, that's like Patton and Rommel could maybe have had a beer together right before they went out there and tried to blow each other the smithereens. That's a, I can respect a co-combatant who's going to treat me like an adult. Hey, I'm trying to end you, and I just don't like you. All right, I, I can, can you live with that? I can live with that. That woman, you can't live with that. That, that woman ought to be arrested. That's a scam. That's Banana Republic stuff. If we're going to, you know, at least, at least give me the respect of a coup in broad daylight. I don't think that's too much to ask. And if, if, by golly, if, if America's been made great again to the point that we are selling Trumpy Bear, you can at least, therefore, pay me the courtesy of an honest coup like what the woman in Georgia is attempting to, 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 to launch. What is happening there in Broward County is nothing more than a ham-fisted criminal exercise. Anybody want to second that? And it's funny that, um, you know, it just, it, 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 it took just a little bit of daylight for them to be for, I mean, they didn't even, she didn't even comply. I think it was on Thursday or Friday night with the original uh, order to basically tell how many votes uh, they have outstanding um, but I, as far as I'm aware, I mean, we're going to a recount in the senator uh, race. But yeah, that is, I was at the point last week watching all that go down and all the stuff that Marco Rubio and I mean, like you t- tweeted, you know, it's bad when Jeb Bush is getting on when Twitter. When Jeb Bush comes out up, swinging, it's low energy gre- Jeb. I was at the point where it's like, if this, if they get away with this, I'm not, I'm not, I'm out on voting. If. Andrea Mitchell's just out there telling people. She's a Republican. That's that, true. That's, I mean, their secret sauce is so basic. There's no, it's got like one ingredient. It's just lying. Mm. That's the second day in a row you have said something so good that I feel like I, I can't top it. So I'm just going to let it stand. We are back with hour two of the Steve Day Show live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV. We just got done talking a little fake news or not. And you know where you see a lot of fake news nowadays, by the way, is when it comes to so-called superfoods. Have you turned over the label of most of those superfoods? And when you look at it, does it say supplement facts? That means it's not a food. That means it's made from extracts. So with the goal of putting together a, you know, a superfood that might actually be a food, a team of top physicians gathered to form Brickhouse Nutrition, and they are introducing our audience here at The Blaze and CRTV to Field of Greens. It's the first real superfood. And the difference that sets it apart can be seen right on the bottle. It has nutrition facts when you look at the panel because... It's an actual food. One scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real, certified vegan, vegetarian, and USDA organic fruits and vegetables, complete with those antioxidants, which do a good job of naturally boosting that immune system with cold and flu season here. 
This is a daily clean green energy that fuels your body for a healthier and happier lifestyle. And for a limited time offer right now, you can visit BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. Use promo code Steve to get 15% off of your first order. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve, 15% off of your first order today for a new you tomorrow. 888-900-3393 is the number, 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedacecom is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Well, yesterday, one of America's great storytellers passed away. And, you know, I, I shared this on my Twitter account uh, just a few minutes ago, but uh, it's a quote from the one and only Stan Lee. I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer while other people were building bridges or going on to medical careers. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain, you're doing a good thing. 95 years old. Who was Stan Lee? What was his legacy ultimately? This montage is a little lengthy, but we think his legacy is worth it, and it will tell the tale. It is such fun creating characters, writing stories, even doing interviews, even though I can't hear most of what the guy says to me. And when you do something that you know the fans seem to enjoy, that gives you such satisfaction, you don't want to stop Some guy named Stan Lee. What? Spider-Man? Uh, Pam, hold my calls for a while. I, I think I've finally gone crazy. You know, Spidey, I've always wanted to experience real web-slinging. And I've always wanted to be appreciated as a real hero. It seems you've made me into one. Thanks. Hey. You were looking at that couple inside? Actually, I was just looking at this uh, little pink number over here. Oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. They look happy, don't they? You know, it reminds me of an issue of Spider-Man I did when Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy went lingerie shopping. Of course, the Green Goblin showed up, and he pumpkin-bombed the hell out of the place. But aside from that, it, it's pretty much the same thing. Oh, my God. Holy Aren't you? Oh, Stanley. Hi. With the leaders of over 200 nations attending, the Secret Service has transformed Ellis Island. Welcome back to the Baxter, Dr. Richards. I've got the usual for you. Good to have you back, sir. 
Thanks for leaving. I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. Uh, invitation, sir. Um, I should be on that list. Name? Stanley. Yeah, uh, nice try, buddy. Nice no, no, try. really, uh, nice I'm try. Stanley. Yeah. Hey, Tony. Remember me? Sure don't. Look great, Hef. Gamma sickness. Milwaukee. A man drank one of those Garana sodas. Guess it had a little more kick than he was looking for. Wow. Where was it bottled? Puerto Verde. Larry? Hey, the Oracle of Oracle. What a pleasure. Nice to see you. Did it work? Captain, that's your cue. I thought he'd be taller. Superheroes in New York. Give me a break. These so. This is probably nothing. <gasps> Are your pulses pounding? Can you feel its eyes upon you? The dweller in the dark is watching. Thanks, Harry. It's just Stan. And all the other worlds would just pass us by. It's beautiful. It's simple. Any questions? Yeah, can I have my shoe back? All Mom ever wanted was your love. To be with you on our two-story Victorian home in the Cotswolds. But could you even give her a moment? What with your banking job requiring you to travel to the States from Tuesday to Saturday every other week? No! I'm terribly sorry about your loss, dear. As for you, now is your chance to do better. Why don't you see that you take it? Thank you, sir. Let's go. Now, if you're gonna fight a war, you gotta wear a uniform. Oh, man. I am so fired. Ooh, it's not cool to get help. Walk by yourself, you little gargoyle. Look at Mr. Smiles over here. Where's your wife, old man? What a class A prefer. Ha ha ha!
bread. Son. Dad. I wear them front. I wear them back. I, I go, go inside, inside out. out. Then, then I go, I go front, front and, and back. back. Dad! See this? This was aged for a thousand years. The barrels built from the wreck of Grunhill's fleet is not meant for mortal men. Neither was Omaha Beach, Blondie. Stop trying to scare us. Come on. All right. Egg shell Hey, could I borrow the sports section? Thank you. I'm fine, right? The bartenders are all like, yeah, crazy stupid fine. Coming onto our stage right now. Give it up for chastity. Uh, you okay? So that is a sampling of the work. There's a lot more there. But um, the cross-section of characters there the intersection of themes and stories. And, you know, we do this segment each week here on the show where we take a look at the intersection between culture, uh, pop culture especially, and conservatism. And one of the things we told you the first day when we debuted here on The Blaze Live is that conservatism is not an ideology. It's an observational science. Meaning you are looking at that which history has revealed and history's creator and judge has revealed to be noble and just virtuous, beautiful and true for the human condition. And I have no idea what Stan Lee's politics were, but I think in many respects, that's probably a good thing because the themes that you see touched on in the characters and the stories that he tell that he tells and the and i mean you look at the the co-creator of some of the biggest icons or singular creator of some of the biggest icons in recent pop culture history and why were they successful because they touched on universal themes i mean with great power comes great responsibility is kind of one of his most famous taglines. You know what that is a, that that's a, it's a metaphor or that's an allusion to, to whom much is given much is required. And, you know, my wife uh, texted me yesterday, our 11 year old son, Noah was got emotional when he found out that Stanley died. And I got to thinking about that. To an 11-year-old boy, Stan Lee's Elvis, when you stop and think about it. To an, uh, you know, 
if we were 11 years old, when we were 11 years old, if we had gone to school and someone told us that George Lucas passed away, you know, before he did those ill-fated prequels, what would our reaction right. have been? Would we have had, you know, we, we would have probably had a, a similar reaction. And because they were comic books, but, you know, when, I wonder when, when Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, did um, hoity-toity society dismiss it as orcs and goblins and wizards? You know, these are, you know, tales of the fantastical. This isn't, you know, uh, this isn't high-minded literature. And when when Lewis wrote of talking lions and beavers, did people did, 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 was, were those dismissed as well? When when the when the brothers Grimm wrote uh, their tales, did people say, "Well, that's the pulp fiction of the Middle Ages"? Well, now these are things that are considered some of the greatest literary works of all time. When when Beowulf was constructed, did people think, "Well, this is this is not." anything momentous it's a tale of a dragon named grendel you know we've we've been telling these things around the campfire this is we consider i I was looking uh, on the queue last night for something to watch and i almost had we almost watched the animated uh, version of beowulf that came out about 10 years ago when they first started debuting actually about 15 years ago when they first started debuting that new animation like uh, the polar express where it looks so lifelike you know and that version of beowulf is incredible and Noah's like, what is Beowulf? You know, and I'm telling him this is considered one of the great works of early Western, liter- literary works of early Western civilization. But did they think that way at the time? Or did they think it was just another tale of a, you know, warrior and a dragon that they had heard a million times over? And I, I think when you look at the stories that Stan Lee told, I, guys, I think this is going to be, we lost one of the greatest storytellers in recent American history yesterday, in my mind. What do you think, Todd? I I hope you're right, because if we look back at him that way, uh, or if our children do, we might have uh, salvaged a, a world uh, worth living in, uh, and one that was salvaged because it did tap into those universal themes. You know, we were just talking, I don't know, maybe two months ago, Steve, where you kind you, I think... I can't remember if it just popped into your head or you said you actually had a dream, but you had your first uh-oh moment about the Avengers universe with this last movie mm-hmm. and what might be in it. But up until then, we pretty much talked about how the Avengers has has stayed true uh, to what it always has been uh, with clear allowances for the fact that you know, a lot of these superheroes go back to, I mean, when was the first one, Steve? When did he create his first one? I, you know, better than I. I mean, so you you allow for some uh, nuancing over time. But mm-hmm. what you, you don't accept, and we've mentioned this with other movies, is is the hijacking where this, you mentioned that yesterday with um, Wrinkle in Time. Right. That nothing approaching that has happened yet. And it's because at least yet they haven't figured out a way to overcome the power of these universal narratives. And I pray they never do. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I, I was never really a, a comic book guy um, myself, but you know, with the with the movies, I think everybody. I mean, that's that's appealed, I think, to a much a broader audience as well, and and the stories contained within within the movies, and of course on the pages of of the comics. Um, 
and in many ways, they, they tap into these themes that we talk about, ta- telling our story really well. Uh, and they're universal themes of uh, heroism and sacrifice and, uh, you know, love and, you know, what, what, what that really looks like. Uh, and all of these universal th- and they, they tap into it in, in such a way that it's relatable. That's the one thing about Marvel mm-hmm. comics that I, I think um, I think it goes underappreciated is that they are so relatable. Whether it's Spider Man or whether it's um, um, you know Iron Man, I mean that's a little less relatable. But you could see these guys on the streets, and you start to project those superhero traits. You start you start to wonder, and you start to project those upon others, maybe, or maybe maybe you just start to see yourself. In a different, like I, you know, I could be, I could be a hero. I could be a superhero, and I think that's one thing that that Stanley, uh, obviously, as the, the the creator of Marvel, or the forerunner of Marvel, um, that's one thing I think that he is going to leave behind as a legacy, and that's one thing that I think that we should be very, very appreciative of. It's when you when you talk about those other examples, Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Pick any any of those other fantastical. Those are those contain a lot of mythical beasts and things. But with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, there's a lot of. I mean, you can travel to other dimensions, and there's tons of aliens. But for the most part, you know, the the superheroes of our world were just that they were of our world, and uh, that's one thing that that is really really unique. I think about Marvel. And one real quick thing, and and you sparked my mind that I think it was Chesterton who said. Uh, that the crime isn't teaching and telling kids stories with knights and dragons as if that's somehow childish. And then the crime is not telling them at all because mm. there be dragons. And this is the way in this modern age uh, that uh, many uh, kids, especially young boys, uh, learn that. And there's no you help build them that psychological and emotional framework that they that alongside you put the truth of the gospel upon. Um, it it it's a pretty sweet mixture, um, and it's not one that should be taken for granted. We've had nursery rhymes as long as it goes back. One of the ways I I or one of the methods that taught me how to read at a very young age was watching the original Electric Company. When we were really little, that's the Morgan Freeman Electric sure. Company on PBS, uh, and you know Spider Man was a reoccurring guest on that show, and he had his own regular segment. And you know, uh, I was superhero obsessed as a child, so uh, that got me to watch and and, and watch. You know, we did, couldn't just DVR things back then, or just pause and then rewind it and fast forward to the parts we liked. We had actually to consume the whole show, so you had to watch all the boring educational stuff. Uh, in order to get to, you know, the Spidey live action segment. And I mean, so I, I, I was devoted to the electric company as a kid. I never missed an episode because Spider-Man was on there. And along the way that, you know, got me tuned into the educational aspects of the program. That's just one of the, you know, the, 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 the scene we played there from Spider-Man 3, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 3 where Stanley walks up to Peter Parker and says, I guess one person can make a difference. See, those are the things that Stan Lee's legacy, he has no idea who I am. And if, if, if he did, I have no idea how much of what I believe politically he would agree with. That's not the point of this. 
you know, we are, we're on this, I guess, mission, for lack of a better description, as a program right now, trying to see if there are ways we can continue to live together without compromising the values that are causing the division in the first place. Because if we didn't think, if the values aren't worthy of holding on to, then why would we let them cause division, right? I mean, if, if the values aren't worthy of, of holding on to, then we're in the wrong for letting things not worthy of, of preserving and cons- conserving. That's better than, probably the better word. We're, we're, we're in the wrong. We're the villains of the story for letting things that are unworthy of conserving come between us as a people, right? We only, this, we, we only permit this division because of the confidence we have that the values causing the division are what's best for the future for us and our children. If we weren't sure of that, then this, this, is, a, this is what Paul warns against in the New Testament. It's a, it's a futile argument. It's not worthy of causing division among the brethren, right? But, I mean, I am someone who Stan Lee's work, and my story is not alone, in a completely indirect way, had a huge impact on. I mean, you know... My son right now is Spider-Man obsessed. Like he was previously Batman obsessed when, you know, Christopher Nolan was doing the Dark Knight movies. And now he is Spider-Man obsessed. And a lot of it has to do with the new PS4 Spider-Man game, which is really cool, by the way, and I would highly recommend. But again, that the, the genesis of that, the origin of that, comes from Stan Lee. And... I have no idea either what his religious viewpoint was, but this is why when some of you ask me, why do you consume um, entertainment or handiwork of people who believe your religion is false, who oppose your politics? Um, I'm not, and I don't say this in a way to persuade you to my position. I don't have a position. But if they're using their God-given gifts in a way that inspires as opposed to conspires, then in my opinion, I'm actually I'm actually applauding the gift giver more than the gift user. And when you see, when, when, I, when I look at that, that's why I have no issue as a conservative, as a Christian, applauding the, I'm, I'm sure someone's going to email me this or that. You know, I, if you listen to this show for more than 10 minutes, we're going to give you some things you probably shouldn't applaud because we're human beings. But I have no problem whatsoever honoring the totality of the legacy of Stan Lee because Without his work, some of these universal themes that we're trying to conserve, some of these universal values in whole sect in whole cloth sectors of the community of, of the culture that aren't connected to the church anymore, that that don't that aren't consuming conservative media, he would have been one of the few attachments they would have in order to receive these stories that are that elevate many of the themes that we are attempting that that we're attempting to to hold on to 
I think of, and we're going to do this in the next segment. We're going to go through some of these characters and look at what they say about conservatism, for example. Let me just throw out one right now. One of the key, one of the key values we are attempting to conserve is the notion of redemption. And isn't that really at the heart of the Ant-Man story? A guy who's made some poor life choices and has went to prison, had to pay a penalty for those things. And now he is attempting as clumsily and as best as he can to do better. And, and the inspiration to do better, what's his primary inspiration to do better? His daughter. His daughter. His family, his own legacy. He wants to set a better example. If I put that, that this isn't, it's not a story about a guy in a costume that allows him to shrink down in the, into a microscopic form or to blow up because another uh, alter ego of, of the Ant-Man is Giant-Man, or to blow up as, a, as the giant figure that you saw in Captain America Civil War. It's not really about that. It's really about the main character, Scott's seeking of redemption, seeking a, an opportunity to, to have a do-over, to have a second life, and to do better than he did with his first one. And to do it in a way that passes on something meaningful to the next generation, beginning with his own child. And, and to give her a better role model than he used to be. See, that's really what the story is about. The, the, the superpowers and all that other stuff. This is why I was drawn so much to Superman as a child. Because I didn't have a father figure, really. I, I didn't have anybody model for me masculine sacrifice for altruistic purposes. That I'm doing this because I love the people I'm I, more than I'm doing it for more than I love myself. I didn't have that model in my home. So in my imagination, Kal-El, the last son of Krypton, he modeled that for me. Because that's really what the story is about. I mean, Joel Schuster and Jerry Siegel created him on purpose as a mosaic, as, a, as an emulation, as an archetype of a mosaic deliverer, as a secular messiah. Though they borrowed those themes on purpose. And that's, that's, that's what, and you use the term relatable, Aaron. What they have done with these characters, and keep in mind, this has become the most successful cinematic franchise, not called Star Wars, in the history of one of America's largest industries, Movies, and it comes from his inspiration, from his creation. And I think that the reason they've been so successful and the reason the DC characters that I grew up loving a little bit more because that's where Superman was and Green Lantern was, even though I love the Marvel characters too, I think the reason DC has struggled is something you said a minute ago. I want to, and, and, and it goes to do you truly love your own subject matter or not? Do you appreciate it or not? And the, and you can tell Marvel does. At least they do right now. 
I wonder what the next generation will do with it. We'll talk about that when we come back. In the world of comic superheroes... You are a god! How are you? Other people drew the characters. He invented their stories. You're responsible for the greats. Let's do the list. Spider-Man. Guilty. I can't stop it! The Incredible Hulk. Afraid so. There was a collective cry of grief from cartoonists. Stan Lee's face projected as a web in the sky. How'd he come up with Spider-Man anyway? I saw a fly crawling on the wall, and I said, wow, suppose a person had the power to stick to a wall like an insect. Jimmy Kimmel posted what he called a weird portrait of Stan that Jimmy drew when he was seven. Three decades later, he got to give it to the great one in person. The Marvel of Marvel Comics explained his objective this way. We want to be a little cinder in the eye of the establishment. I just thought of that. I think it's great. He was modest when he got a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. In a million years, I never thought, you know, that I'd get something like this. He and his wife, Joan, were married for 69 years until her death. He appeared in Movie Cameo. That is hilarious. After Movie Cameo. Nice suit. Zip it, Stanley. At the age of 77, he told Larry King. Life is so exciting. I'd love to have another 100 years. He had to settle for a mere 95 years total, creating superheroes with human hang-ups, and he never hung up his signature line. Excelsior. Excelsior. Genimo, CNN. I want to thank CNN for that clip. We are back here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. It is Pop Culture Tuesday, looking at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And of course, you can't do it this week without talking about the legacy of Stan Lee passing away yesterday at 95 years old. And let's take as best we can, guys, let's take politics and everything else out of it. If I were to tell you that, hey, today I want us to spend some time Honoring a guy who was married to the same woman for nearly 70 years. And you rarely saw him without a smile on his face. And no matter how famous he became, there were never any stories about him big timing anybody or anything like that. And what he did with his life's work was create characters that taught universal themes of of merit, of sacrifice, of family, of, of individual dignity and responsibility and legacy. And he taught those to several generations. Would there be any issue, debate, or criticism of that decision, do you think, at all? If I, just, if I, if I framed it like that? Hope not. No. Why wouldn't there be? Because you just described somebody that I hope we all aspire to be. Exactly. Yeah. And yet, did you see some of the people in there? Jimmy Kimmel, the, the CNN. First of all, the source of that story is CNN. <laughs> uh, it, is it, is it, it's hard not to, to laugh like Stan Lee, 
whenever that you hear the word CNN nowadays, albeit for totally different reasons, right? They're, they're kind of a running joke. But the source of that story is CNN. One of the political, and, and they have earned it. Don't get me wrong on this one. They, they, have, they have earned almost every ounce of bile most of us have for them. They have earned it and go on trying to earn it. They have the, the latest Nielsen ratings. None of their programs are among the top 25 cable news shows in America. None of them. I mean, they have, they have every financial incentive, every integrity incentive to do different CNN does than what they are doing right now. And the fact that they don't means one of two things. They, they're just dumb and they suck at life, which is that possible? It's mm. possible. What's another possibility? They're doing exactly what they want to do. And you can decide for yourself which one it is. I think I kind of know, you know? Then we then the, the story mentions how Lee inspired Jimmy Kimmel. Have we had here on the right, have we had a few run-ins with Jimmy Kimmel in Couple. the last year? Couple. Yeah. Again, and and why did we have those run-ins? Because he kind of came at us, right? And we responded. So I'm not I'm not shying away from those divisions. I'm pointing out that the values we're on the right Stan Lee's legacy in many respects I think shows we're on the right side of history here and also shows that if we can tell these if we can if we can tell these stories and and share what it is we're trying to conserve as often as possible outside of the partisan political realm driven by personalities and tribalism and and i think we have to also understand there is more money to be made in peddling the most negative political partisan political content you could possibly imagine there there's more there's never been a time in human history you could get richer being a, a partisan political shill than there is right now and and peddling just the most ridiculous nastiest guys what what, what was would what we spend hour one talking about Trumpy bear. All right. So there's a financial incentive to be a canoe about politics. As often as we can remove what it is we're trying to preserve and conserve and pass on to the next generation, we can't totally vacate this square. Ultimately, you know, this is the process by which policies get advanced and enacted. So this idea that we can just leave it alone isn't feasible either. But whatever the ratio is between culture and political activism, cultural engagement and political activism, I think we've got it, whatever the ratio is right now, we've got it upside down. Because if we, went, if we just went through some of these characters, here we have... In, in Peter Parker, you have an orphan who's given an extraordinary gift, sometimes feels like he's a social misfit, social outcast, and the great lesson that his uncle who adopts him passes on to him is essentially a takeoff of to whom much is given, much is required. What about that do we as conservatives oppose? Nothing. Is, 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 there a, is there a 
a core there of the of exactly what it is we're fighting for. Well, it depends. What are we fighting for? Martha McSally? Martha Mc, what's our primary fight? That the Martha McSallies of the world get a Senate seat that they concede while you're still fighting for them? So they can then go and vote against you 70% of the time? That does kind of seem like what we're fighting against, fighting for. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it would be one thing. It would be one thing if we're if we're getting guys in pop culture with huge platforms like Jimmy Kimmel to come at us because we've got, you know, 15 Mike Lees with 100% liberty scores that are just shoving what we want down their throats, right? Then you'd kind of think differently like, "Hey, sucks to be you. We're winning scoreboard." Is that what we're getting out of this? No. As our buddy Daniel Horowitz likes to often say, you know, we're dying for their causes, not for our own. What's the, the great George C. Scott line as George S. Patton? You don't win a war by dying for your cause, guys. You may you win a war by making the other son of a gun die for his. <laughs> All right? We're out on the field. My buddy I just talked about in the last hour is out on the field of battle in Arizona right now. Collecting affidavits where people are admitting to voter fraud. But the cause that he's fighting for, she already surrendered. She already cut the deal. Last year at this time, The Darkest Hour was about to be released. One of the best movies of 2017. Gary Oldman about playing Winston Churchill as he comes to power. And one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is he, is, he, is, he, is, he thinks he's the prime minister. And that he ultimately makes the final call And he's going to rally the country to stand up and fight. And he gets together essentially with his cabinet, for lack of a better description, in his war room and finds out plenty of these guys have already been cutting deals behind his back for preemptive surrender to get the most favorable terms they thought they could. Dude, if that is not a metaphor for what being a conservative in the Republican Party is, what my buddy is doing right now in Arizona is... Now... I get accused sometimes of not being pragmatic. Let me give you something really pragmatic. Emphasize your time where you have the most potential for victory. Right now, we're causing, well, I shouldn't say we're causing. We're a party to a massive political division in the country. It's caused by the fact there is a movement of progressives that have arisen in this last generation that don't want to live under the the foundations of Americana anymore. That's the cause. Like the Crusades. They didn't just, you know, the Catholic Church didn't get up one day in the 14th century and say, we're bored, let's go to Jerusalem. That's not what happened. What happened is the Muslims went there and said, we're going to claim the Holy Land for our religion instead and eradicate yours. How you like them apples? Since we couldn't get Europe in the previous era, we're just going to claim the Holy Lands now. That's what we're going to do. And the church responded to it. The church didn't start it. It responded to it. That's what's happening here. Is a movement from the left of America has decided they don't want to be Americans anymore. They want to live differently now. And you were concerned earlier, Todd, about uh, reconstructing these characters. You know what the new Marvel's big reveal was last year? Do you know what it was? That Captain America was a Hydra agent all along. The, Stan Lee's first Avenger. The, the, the superhero character that literally went to war in the 40s against the Nazis. 
And in order to in order to, to culturally Marxist agate prop you to clickbait you basically, the new social justice warriors running Marvel today decided that Captain America was actually a Hydra agent all this time. Which you see in all of these originally inspired Stan Lee characters that go on and become movies is the reason these movies are successful, they don't, is because there's an appreciation and honoring of the original intent of the creation of the character in the first place. And that's why a good story is told, not the other way around. I think this is the problem DC has. Their titular character, Superman, they don't believe you and the audience can appreciate him. So they have to water him down. They have to make him emotional. Uh, they, 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 have to ha- they have to make him unsure of himself. Because they, they don't think the Christopher Reeve Superman that you and I grew up with, Todd, they don't think Aaron's generation can abide that. They won't, they won't relate to altruism for the sake of altruism. So they got to make him emo. That's what they have to do. That's why they're struggling with figuring out. Because you can't make him work. You don't have a DC universe. Because he's the sun. All the other characters orbit around him. And my concern going forward with Marvel is they're going to do the same thing. Like, I love... What was my big criticism of Black Panther last year? Do you guys remember? It didn't go far enough. It didn't go far enough with its politics. I actually wanted more of it. Even though, and even I didn't care that it was a political bent that I may not totally share. I thought the dynamic of Black Panther as MLK um, on the villain's character who escaped, who my memory is escaping me, is essentially Malcolm X. I wanted that dialogue to continue more. I I thought it was a fascinating story. I, I don't have a problem with creating characters coming from a political bent that I may not share if they're compelling and they give me something to think about. The problem is when you take the characters that do come from the values we share and you water them down, change them in agate problem and retcon them to what you want them to be, like what Disney did with A Wrinkle in Time last year, and it failed. I'm concerned we're going to see that. Well, we need to, you know, we're going to start checking boxes. We need this story. Just tell a good story. And the other is, are you attempting to entertain me? Those are two totally different things. I think this is something and a lesson that we could learn on the right. I think we need better storytellers. We need the we need some of our talented people that are peddling in what I would like to call political porn. Because that's basically what we do. I mean, we spent three days on Jim Acosta versus Trump while Democrats were literally stealing elections in states. Okay? Why? Well, because that's primarily what the conservative movement is. It's it peddles political porn. It gives you the clickbait. What was that line one of our listeners gave us last week? That bait ain't going to click itself. That's primarily what you want. Well, I, I think we would do better as conservatives if we took some of the creative energy we have in the creation of our beloved political porn. Like, I, I guarantee you, conservative media is saying more, a lot more today about Hillary 2020 than the liberal media is. I promise you that's true. I promise you it is. Why? Because that bait ain't going to click itself. That's why. I, that, that's why I, I found out about, I found out who Lena Dunham was. I didn't know what Lena Dunham was. Didn't know who she was. 
I found out I'm a, I'm a white middle-aged guy from Iowa and I don't have HBO, so I don't have a clue. You know how I found out about Atlanta Dunham? Conservative media clickbaiting her. That's how I found out about it. What if we took some of that talent and we told really good stories that passed on our values? You know what the great irony is? Whatever Stan Lee's political and religious views are, he did a better job communicating the values I come on shows like this and fight for every day than we do. Maybe because he actually believed in them? Maybe. Maybe. The Hunger Games? The Hunger Games does a better job of breaking down the dystopian future of centralization, collectivization, political uh, uh, tyranny, tribalism. Does a better job of breaking that down than most of us do. I have no idea what the politics of the author of that book series are. I, I don't know. What if we put our energy into that? What if we put our and more again, we can't vacate the political arena. It's where it's where policy is done. But what if we spent less time peddling political porn and more time telling good stories that might reach a generation that through the traditional and conventional means just isn't tuned into what what it is we're selling right now? Just a thought. Gentlemen, I'll give you the last word. Where'd you learn here today? Aaron, I'll start with you. Well, you know, the heirloom grandfather clock uh, that you're, maybe your grandpa and grandma have in their house or their heirloom filled in the blank buffet, china cabinets, what have you, that could have been made, manufactured with a ton of care, handmade care by an atheist, by an enemy of... um, I, well, an opponent, one of your opponents. It could have been made by somebody who just hates any concept of God, but it's still sitting there, and it's still beautiful, and you can see the talent behind it and can appreciate it. And you look at that. You, maybe, the, maybe, maybe the creator looks at that and says, ah, that's just a means to an end for me. Or maybe, it, maybe they look at it and say, well, you know, that's a pretty good work they, while still hating God. You look at it, maybe, hopefully, and say, that is um, that is a talent of God. I think the same thing is what we've been talking about today with Stan Lee. He was really, really good at storytelling. The better you get at storytelling, it's because you're getting better at telling the story. And that's what we all need to be better at. That's well said. Tell him like you talk because you keep saying better stuff than me and I can't handle that a second day in a row. John 3.17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.